0: Hi everyone, I'm Daria Valamova, Miss Universe Australia finalist for 2021 and this is my interview with the Pageant Project.
1: Hi everyone, it's Adrian from The Pageant Project and my special guest for today is an Australian with a not so Australian name, Daria Valamova, who is a Miss Universe Australia 2021 finalist. Daria, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you for having me. It's about time that we did a sit down like this.
1: (laughs) You are a very, very busy girl. Um, I was just thinking the other day I don't get to interview many Australian girls, and it's so funny because I've been doing my research. So I've been watching some of your Instagram TVs, anxiety diaries, etc. And you moved correct me if I'm wrong, but you moved to Australia when you were eight, right? From Russia? Yes.:
0: Yes, that's right. Um, so okay. I moved to Perth, Western Australia, and um, that's where I grew up, and I have been living in Melbourne for about four and a half years.
1: Okay it's just funny to me that someone who moved to Australia at the age of eight has more of an Australian accent than yeah. I do. You have quite, I don't know if it's strong, but compared to most of the other people I interview, it's like, wow, that's really an Aussie accent. Um, so when you moved to Australia at the age of eight, did you speak any English or did you pick it up when you moved here?
0: No English, no word. Um, so it was really difficult for me. I remember when I moved, um, my parents got told by the teachers that if I didn't pick it up within a month, I'd have to go to a special English as a second language school. But within a month, I um, I was speaking really well and I love to read books and write and I love to talk. So naturally, I picked it up right away. Um, and yeah, I guess the accent is a bit strange because there is a bit of a aussie twang but at the same time some people say i sound a bit posh i think that's a result of um learning english as my second language but um i don't know what it is it's a bit of a mishmash
1: when you speak russian do you have an accent in russian now
0: unfortunately i'd like to think i didn't that i don't when i speak russian but i know that my relatives and my family always tease me about it and they say that there's very much a detectable accent
1: okay so you either way you go then you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't i know um my father told me and i don't know if this is right but he said that you are a genuinely fluent speaker when you dream in your second language or you count and do maths in your second language so question do you dream in russian or do you dream in english
0: that's a really interesting question because i i think some people dream in the language and some people dream in images for me it's almost purely image but if there was dialogue in my dreams i'd say it would be in english and when I speak Russian, I find myself having to translate it from English to Russian. So I feel like I've definitely adopted the language as my primary language.
1: How often do you actually get to speak Russian?
0: So I actually speak Russian every day because I um, get on the phone with my grandma or I try to every single day. Um, so she can't speak any English. So I feel like it's a really great excuse for me to not only stay in touch with my family but also practice my russian and since moving yeah. to melbourne i've found so many new russian friends as well but i get i get a little bit shy to talk russian to them because they're a lot they're a lot better than me
1: so i actually studied a bit of russian um but Did i you? have forgotten most of it i think i can still count to 10. but how do you say hello in russian I i was thinking about this the other the other day i can't remember how do you just say hello
0: so you could say or you could say, Privet, which is like, hi. And that's what I generally Privet. teach people the latter. Privet. It's, it's a lot easier to say.
1: That's the one. And now I'm remembering all the Cyrillic alphabet because when you're learning Russian, you have to learn the Cyrillic mm. alphabet because there are some letters that look the same, but they mean very different things. How do you say, how so are you? That confuses
0: me. Kartula. how are things? Kartula.
1: Okay. I don't think I learned that one. What does das mean? I hope I didn't it say anything bad. It okay. <laughs> <laughs> So I know how to say hello and goodbye. So Privet and Dasvidaniya. Okay. All Those right. are the only ones um, you need. Well, that and I can count to 10, but I don't know what um, what use that's going to do me. Dario, <laughs> why don't we start with the easy question? Why don't you tell us how you got into the crazy world of pageantry to begin with?
0: Yeah, so let's go back to when I was 19. I was starting to model and a friend of mine told me about the Miss Universe program and I saw um, some behind the scenes on social media and stuff back on Instagram was quite new and it was all about Facebook. Um, so I think that was back in 2013. I actually tried out for Miss Universe Australia when I was in Perth. I didn't even make it to a state round, <laughs> um, which is crazy to think about. Um, When I try to imagine how far I've come in that time, it's just um, it's uh, there's been a lot of growth that has happened in those years. And I feel like those are such formative years, your late teens to your mid 20s. So, yeah, I didn't get through to Miss Universe state levels at 19 and it did crush my spirit a little bit. I'm not going to lie, but I found that since moving to Melbourne, I took up acting and modeling and that definitely gave me an extra boost in confidence. So I thought, you know what, while I'm still in the age bracket, I really want to give this another red hot crack. And I actually um, went for Miss World because I had some friends in the program. So I did that Um, and I became a national finalist. and I went to the Gold Coast and it was quite amazing experience i met some incredible Mm. girls some friends for life and i wanted to change it for the world and then the following year i tried out for miss universe and then i became a national finalist for that program which is uh totally different as you know and now i'm doing it again miss universe australia for the second year in a row (laughs)
1: What, um, what position, you didn't just become a national finalist, I think you're being humble. What what position did you come last year? Remind me.
0: So I came fourth runner up, so I came fifth.
1: Okay. So the, the important question is, I mean, in terms of wh- how you want to do this year, I think it's safe to say you, everyone wants to improve. But when you go into a pageant that's as big as Miss Universe and it, that's the biggest in the world, do you set any expectations on yourself as to how you're going to do, given that pageantry, it's inherently subjective. So even if you've improved on the night, the judges might just be looking for something different and you might not improve. Have you set yourself any particular goals that you want to achieve this year?
0: I think my goals, um, the goals that I set for myself, I would be reaching for with or without a a program like Miss Universe. So I can only try to be the best that I can be and I don't actually worry about how that fits into this universe funnily enough. I'm always trying to strive for more and to be a better version of myself and whether or not that's what they're looking for with the program that's that's out of my hands so i could only try to be the best person that i can the most confident in my skin um the most passionate about my advocacy and the rest is out of my hands so um i think it's a very uh, relatively stress-free approach of looking at it um it's a little bit different to how some other girls approach it you know um there is a lot of strategy involved in these things as you know um but it has gotten me this far and I feel like I can only try my best and I'm not going to be hard on myself. Whatever happens, I'm going to walk out of this program being a better person with a brand new group of friends and a newfound confidence.
1: I think that's a that's a sensible way, dare I say, a mature way, to to approach it rather than getting too hung up on on where you place uh, can you give give me an idea give the audience an idea what your preparation looks like on a sort of a day-to-day or weekly basis because everyone's a bit different
0: yeah definitely so i think for me um physical fitness is a huge part of my life and i definitely amp it up before state finals and national finals um, for me that includes eating um, nutritious foods, but still balanced. I still cannot deprive myself of my desserts, everything in moderation. Um, And going to the gym about five times a week for 45 minutes um, each session. I feel like um, I could be a bit of a perfectionist at times and I try to set these unrealistic goals, but... I know that I can never see them because they're impossible. So I try to make sure that every day I remain consistent in terms of my physical fitness and my diet. And in terms of the other side of preparation, I feel like your mental preparation is um, Mm. very important. It's just as crucial as your physical prep. Um, And that includes your mindset, how you think about yourself, the way you present to others, um, even your voice you know having that confidence to speak up and to take up space so the mental preparation is another element and another facet is i guess y- you know uh the questions running over the questions with a pageant coats and uh, pa- sorry pageant coach and um i guess learning about what's going on in the world around you and just trying to keep up to date with news as much as possible and i know it's so difficult to do with all such busy people but i feel like in a program as intense as this you can't leave things to the last minute you need to start your preparation months in advance in order to make the process as seamless and stress-free as possible so that those are a few of the things that i make sure to do before um national or even state finals
1: the, the mental preparation, I think, is key, and I think a lot of people 100%. kind of overlook it um, or don't give it its due. It's like they do a lot of the physical training, but I don't. I think there's mental and emotional training you can do. Now, you've been, as I said, I was doing my research. You've been fairly open with. Some of the struggles that you've had during lockdown, I mean, God, we've all had struggles during lockdown. 2020 wasn't the best year for most of us. And you literally started a a small series on IGTV called Anxiety Diaries. Um, What has the last, sort of forgetting the pageant for a sec, what has the last, God, it's been more than 12 months now with Corona. So what has the last, what was 2020 like for yourself?
0: oh 2020 was definitely a challenging year for me and I know for so many others. It was definitely full of ups and downs. There were moments when we went into lockdown in Melbourne initially where I mm. felt, oh, you know, like I did, as bad as it sounds, I did want a moment to slow down, a little chance for a breather. But I feel like we very quickly got over that and it did take <laughs> yes. um, its toll mentally. Um, so it was... And to... I guess throw another challenge into things. I was a finalist for Miss Universe Australia, so we had a lot of content to stay on top of and a lot of pageant prep to do. Even though the national final was held digitally, there was still a lot mm. of prep to be done. So I feel like it was all too much and it was all very overwhelming and I know a lot of my peers were feeling a similar way. So I decided to start a series to connect others and to, I guess, facilitate these conversations around mental health because i feel like um now more than ever it is of crucial importance to be having these conversations and to be working towards stigmatizing topics around mental health so um while i started with the igtv series I feel like that sparked something much bigger in me and it made me realise what my purpose was. So as bad and as challenging, I can't say bad because it was full of ups and downs, but as challenging as last year was, it gave me something um, so invaluable. That is my purpose in life, educating and assisting and driving conversations around mental health.
1: How how have you found... I mean, you, you have interviewed some people and you've done some IGTVs where you've talked straight, straight to camera, as it were, how's it been for you? What have you felt that you've learnt about mental health in general or the biggest misconceptions about mental health? Because I like to think that we are now talking about it more than we used to, which is a good thing. Um, and I saw one of your episodes where you interviewed, I think it was your housemate and you are getting his, his perspective as a man, which is a slightly different mm-hmm. topic, but that's that's also something that we need to discuss more. But in general, doing the work that you've done so far with mental health, how have you felt, what have you felt that you've learned from it or maybe what some of the biggest misconceptions people might have about mental health are?
0: I feel like one of the biggest misconceptions is that uh, social media anxiety affects primarily women. Um, And that is what we discussed with my housemate, Anthony, that men actually get um, the brunt of that as well. Um, You know, men uh, can succumb to body image issues and um, the pressures of living a large life and just, I guess, um, the financial pressures um, of having to have a side hustle and to have a thriving Mm. business as well, things that I never even thought of. So I think... um, last year really sh- shone a light on um, men's mental health and how i guess how we don't talk about it much it's kind of the elephant in the room we talk about mental health on a whole but i feel like um it can manifest differently in men and in women so i think it's really interesting to have these conversations um with every gender and to talk about how these issues present differently because they can, um, yeah, they can, they're they completely different and that's something that I didn't realise um, prior hmm. to that.
1: Um, speaking of social media, I mean, on Instagram, I think you have 50,000 followers, give or take, and I, I see you as sort of an example of a successful, like a real influencer, as in someone who's, turned in, into a, a real business, not just someone who has a lot of followers. Uh, well, thank and you. I saw, I think it was a podcast episode. You, I didn't listen to it, but I saw the headline for it. And it said that you try to spend, I don't know if this is quite right, but you try to spend as little time as possible on Instagram. So can you just run us through that? Because social media for a lot of us, cause you remember back to 2020, TikTok exploded and all mm. of us were lying in bed until three in the morning, whether we were making TikToks <laughs> or not we were looking at them and there was just scroll fest, scroll fest, scroll fest. My friend said she fell in a scroll hole. Uh, So social media and having a social media business, being a successful influencer and mental health, how do you balance those two?
0: That is a really good question. Um, And if I'm honest, I'm still working on that. I'm still working on finding that balance because um as of recently i have been feeling um burnt out just from being on social media and um having a lot of work obligations and you know just wanting to take a breather sometimes but being unable to um so it's interesting you mentioned tiktok and versus instagram because i feel like with instagram people are showing their highlight reels which mm. um can be very detrimental to people's mental health whereas tiktok um it is primarily an entertainment app you know people are being silly they're being goofy um and you don't get the same sense of comparison generally that you do with your peers on instagram um so for me an important balance is just getting my phone as simple as it sounds and doing things um with my family just staying present um and i think it's so tempting to when you're spending time with friends and family to get a notification and just check it, it may take a split second, but it actually disengages you from the conversation and the present moment. So I find it's very important to just put away my phone and just stay as present as I can. It's sort of like a mini cleanse for my soul Um, Mm -hmm. and that's the main way that I go about it. And while social media has so many incredible, incredible benefits and opportunities, um, life is all about balance, as I mentioned earlier, and everything moderation. And I feel like we do need to regulate it. We could regulate regulate our children's iPad use, but we, we so yeah. often, who's going to regulate our use of technology, you know? So we need to, um, I guess, reparent ourselves in that sense and make sure that we're staying on top of, limiting uh technology use wherever possible especially if your job centers around it
1: if your job didn't center around it (laughs) if you didn't need it do you think you'd still be on it
0: i think that's a good question um this is what i in some conversations that i've had with my friends i said that i almost wonder if my aversion to using social media for fun comes from the fact that um, my work centers around it. And who wants to do their work? Unless it's your passion, generally speaking, once we're done with work, we want to shut off and not think about it. So that's a good question. I feel like I would enjoy it more um, if it wasn't my work, but I guess the silver Mm. lining with that is I'm not exposing myself to the comparison trap by scrolling through my social media. But the other side of the coin is, I'm not engaging as much as I would like to. So, you just can't win sometimes.
1: It's difficult. I hear you on that. What mm. is your favorite social media platform at the moment? Is is it TikTok? Is it Instagram? Yeah. I would I would say for ask Facebook, but no one <laughs> seems to be using Facebook anymore. So, no. is it Instagram? Is it TikTok? Is it YouTube? Is it Twitter? Is it Clubhouse? What's it for you at the moment?
0: I can't get into Clubhouse, honestly. Like, I, <laughs> I downloaded it, I got the invitation, I opened it, but it, it just wasn't for me. For me, it just added to the noise inside my head and I'm very, very stubborn, so I thought, no way, I am not succumbing to the top of yet another social media platform and I know that um, I need to research it further, but I know that potentially there could be huge opportunities there. But I would say my favorite app would be TikTok because it's entertaining and it's educational and I love that it exposes you to content creators that you otherwise wouldn't be exposed to because on Instagram you generally follow the people and yeah. that's the content that you see in your feed but with TikTok yeah. you will be exposed to fresh perspectives and fresh content and um, that's what I really like about that app and there's that anonymity factor as well. mm
1: mm-hmm. Who are your favourite uh, content creators to follow? Just out of interest.
0: That is a good question. To be honest, no one jumps out at me because, I guess, <laughs> I guess um, I follow so many that it all becomes a blur. But I'm not a slave to any one content creator. I don't. For me, I I'm not there for the person. I'm there for the value that they bring. And um there are so many that I like to follow on TikTok. Uh love and relationship experts, anxiety coaches, um someone on Instagram that jumps out at me is Queer Cosmos. I love following him. I'm really into astrology, so I love um his content is really fun. Just anyone that has a personal brand that centers around helping others, be it mental health, um, or Lindsay Brahman, that's another one. Um uh, I'm sure they'll come to me. There are a lot that I do like to follow, but I try to make sure that all the people I follow are providing valuable content and educational content around topics that are useful and entertaining to me, such as mental health or relationships and even astrology.
1: Okay, so just just talk to me about astrology for a second, because I sometimes have quite violent arguments with people over astrology. But I mean to to what extent do you would you do you know about astrology? So if I for example, if I tell you I'm a Leo
0: and oh, that's all I know. I, love I know there are other kinds <laughs>
1: just, of things and bits. And are you a Leo
0: Sun or a Leo moon?
1: That I don't know. How how do you what does it even mean? I just thought it was Leo. Now it's Leo Sun, Leo Moon. How would I know? <laughs>
0: So I got so into astrology that at one point I researched how to become an astrologer. Let's just think about that. But um, the reason, and I almost regret bringing this up because my interest in mental health and then my interest in astrology, some people might think where's a correlation there because one has a scientific basis and one does not. But the way I view astrology is similar to the way I view TikTok. Take from it what you want. I mean, it could be... Gospel for some people, they love it, they live and breathe it, and Mm. some people don't believe in it. But what is the harm if you are using it as a source of entertainment? Um, and if it, I know in a time of uncertainty like the time that we're living in now, it gives a lot of people, especially young people, millennials, and Gen Y, um, uh, Gen Z, sorry, and Gen Y, it gives them a lot of comfort. Um, so I feel like if anything in this day and age is giving you a source of comfort and entertainment and even some stability in some cases then where's the harm in that it's helping your mental health in some way no matter how small even if it's putting a smile on your face for five minutes of the day where's the harm in that so i guess that would be my argument against anyone who's dead set against astrology
1: no, Well, that, that's fair enough. I think where sometimes I get a bit confused is where people say, because you said one is based in science, one is not. So okay. mental health being based in science and astrology, not necessarily. But there are some people who will insist to me that astrology is based in science. And I I don't quite see that link. But I mean, you're right. You it's know, like a yeah if it's good for you it's good for you um so can you actually tell me anything about what's going to happen to myself in 2021 just off the fact that i'm a leo i mean you studied i don't keep up to
0: date i don't keep up to date with it um i'm interested in birth charts but funnily enough i never really found horoscopes to be um that interesting i'm interested in people and i'm interested in their makeup mm. Whereas day-to-day horoscopes of what's going to happen next month or today, that never piqued my interest. I'm not sure why, but I like to leave some things to the unknown. So that side of astrology never appealed to me, and I don't know how we got into this topic. I
1: can't. I can't remember. <laughs> I think no. I asked you who you followed on on social media, and I think you brought up an astrologer. Yeah, that's right. I think that's. I... It. That's usually during my interviews, <laughs> I end up forgetting how we ended up here. Um. What i just wanted to say was so you you strike me as someone who has pretty deep thoughts you certainly seem like someone who wants to to help others and you seem quite empathic and intuitive i mean has that always been the case for you or do you remember a moment in your childhood when you kind of went more that direction because a lot of pageant girls are very i'm not going to say you're introverted but a lot sort of louder just in terms of their energy you seem to be a bit more in between has that always been the case for yourself?
0: Yeah, so I'm an ambivert. I'm neither well, yeah. neither or both, an introvert and an extrovert. Um, I have always conserved my energy. Um, I I've always been my own best friend ever since I could remember, and I'm completely comfortable in my own company. However, I've got the most amazing group of friends, and they know me to be loud and silly, and um soft-spoken and quiet as well at times. I just, um, yeah, I've always been this way. I'm a Gemini, so I've got the two different two different sides to me. Um, but I do I, I, do feel like a big part of, um, a big reason for the way that I am is, you know, having coming from the two different cultures. Um, and it really shaped me into the person that I am. I just, um, I've always conserved my energy and I've always, being a very deep thinker because I was an only child for so long. So I like to just stay with my thoughts and um, make up stories and um, I'm very creative. I remember at school, um, in primary school, so this is the thing, being soft-spoken as a woman, unfortunately, it often gets misconstrued as, you know, ditzy or off with the fairies. So I remember when I was Mm -hmm. 12, my teacher said, because I was at the top of the class at the time, she was like, "You're so book smart. You're so academically, you're academically excelling all these things, but you're just a bit ditzy." And I remember that stuck with me to this day, and I feel like that's still a sore spot for me. And even when I entered pageantry, pageantry, a lot of people um, have actually have actually mentioned that or hinted at that. Daria, Millie, she's so quiet. But I've always loved to operate from a place of being the underdog and staying in my own lane. I actually, as I mentioned at the start of this conversation, I have nothing to prove to others. The only thing I'm proving is um, that what I could be for myself. That is one thing that I'm focused on. And the people in my life who will see that are the people that are going to see that and I don't worry about the rest. I'm not trying to impress anyone. I'm going to stay in my own lane and I'm going to talk about things that I'm passionate about such as mental health and I'm just going to be kind and I'm going to be myself and operate from a place of high value and the rest is out of my hands.
1: Yeah. Yeah absolutely it's interesting to me that you said that that comment about you being ditzy really stuck with you because you just reminded me of when I was that age as well maybe 12 and I was in sports class and just so you know I I went on to be a tennis coach and taught myself how to play tennis to a pretty high level Uh, not that I was naturally sporty at all I wasn't one way or the other I was kind of in the middle but I remember And no one had taught me how to throw bear in mind and there was a throwing contest to see how far we could throw and i remember my sports teacher at the time making this comment you throw like a girl now (sighs) he certainly didn't mean it as a compliment right and that's not how i took it but it's interesting that i remember that to this day um and then Mm. maybe to some maybe to some extent it actually formulated what I did with the rest of my life. But why do you think the ditzy comment, because there's so many comments that you hold on that you could hold on to. Why did that one seem to stick with you? I think
0: as a child, the very thing that I loved about myself, my creativity was then weaponized against me um, and then became a facet of myself that I didn't like. I thought I always had inkling that I was a little bit different in my crea- creativity um, and always daydreaming in class, but that was a pivotal, pivotal, uh, pivotal moment for me because it made me, um, yeah, it made me think maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe this isn't the way mm. that I should be. Maybe I should be a certain way. Maybe I should change this facet of myself. And now, um, I'm coming back to that place of celebrating that difference and celebrating being the underdog of being mm. a bit more reserved and conserving conserving my energy because as i said the right people in your life are gonna see the beauty in you always so i guess that's a that's quite a stress-free way of looking at things
1: it is it is sometimes it takes some pain to get there but it yeah. certainly is a stress, relatively stress-free way of looking at things. In terms of your creativity, because you mentioned that several times, how do you express your creativity on a, on a regular basis? Because from my experience, people who are creative and don't get to express it actually start to feel energetically very blocked and sometimes just super depressed for no other reason than they just don't get to express their creativity. So for yourself, how does the creativity manifest?
0: Well, so there are so many different ways to express your creativity, in my opinion. For me, um, you know, growing up, I loved doing art and painting and drawing and um, jewellery making, all those things. Mm. Um, I loved um, writing stories and being creative like that. At the moment, you know, I'm working on a business idea that is close to my heart and that leaves a lot of room for creativity. And also in my job... I work in a mental health sector and I mentor young girls um, on topics based around mental health and self-esteem and their changing bodies. And I think think there's creativity in almost any profession. Mm. When you know where to look, when you know how to channel it, um, it can be done. I know so many people who work in highly analytical fields, and they're still some of Mm. the most creative people I know. So there's so many different ways to channel it, um, and there's no one-size-fits-all. And for me, I'm lucky enough to be able to express myself to an audience on my social media platforms. I love it so much. I love my favourite thing um, that I get a lot of good feedback on are the little graphics that I make around um, mental health and empowerment. And it's just so nice to see people saving and resharing those posts Um, and to know that uh, the fruits of my creative labour are being praised and um, I guess it's helping people in some way.
1: When it comes to people such as yourself, because before we went live you were talking about digital nomad, there's one question I always like to ask, which is when someone asks you, what do you do? what does Daria Valamova do? What, how Ooh, do that you question answer that? question makes me sweat. <laughs> well, well, that's what I oh. mean because I find it very difficult given what yeah. I do to explain it. And then as soon as I mentioned pageants, so I need to explain pageants. So how do you, when someone asks you, what do you do? So what do you do? How do you answer that?
0: I think it depends on the person that you're talking to. If um, my mum or my dad were asking, I'd, say you know i'm training to become a mental health professional if uh, a friend was asking me i'd say i'm a mental health advocate and i'm a miss universe australia contestant um some of my entrepreneur friends will be more interested in the fact that i'm starting a business you know so i wear so many different hats that it could be really hard for me <laughs> to even keep tabs on all of them and i'm still mm-hmm. figuring that out but for me i would generally speaking I'd say i am a mental health advocate i'm a student i'm doing my masters of counseling and i'm a mentor to young girls
1: wow well i don't i don't know if you've heard the statistics and i can't quite remember them but i think the latest research shows people are going to have five to seven careers in their lifetime i'm not talking about jobs but actual wow. separate careers so, I mean, you sound like you're you're well on your way to the five <laughs> to seven already
0: oh, I'm probably in my tenth um but that does sound about right um I think especially in this day, and age of globalization and the digital media um it's definitely not unheard of of people completely jumping to different mm. career fields on opposite end of the spectrum so um and I think it's great. I think that's amazing, you know um. Life is too short to just be stuck in a career path that you've outgrown. You need to be constantly thriving. And for some people, that looks like a stable career in one field for the rest of their lives, but they're always progressing, they're going, they're enjoying it. And for others, it means trying new things, you know, until something clicks. For me, I feel like I found that thing. And that's not to say... um i won't be changing careers in the future but i know that i want everything that i do to be centered around mental health and helping other people in that field so i think that's quite a simple way for me to look at it
1: do you ever struggle with shiny object syndrome like a lot (laughs) of creative and entrepreneurial people do and i was talking about this on one of my other podcast episodes that for some people shiny object syndrome where every single day you seem to get a great idea. Do you ever struggle with that?
0: A hundred percent, oh my goodness. This is the bane of my existence. I have so many business (laughs) ideas, so many lifetimes I want to live. I remember I had this conversation with a friend that actually gave me a lot of clarity. I said, with so many options, how do you just pick one thing? And they just said, "Um, you just kind of pick one and you just do it and see where it leads. And I was like, oh okay why didn't i think about that's so simple you're right like i don't have to stress about all these things you can't do everything and you can't be everyone um or everything you can't wear every single hat under the sun so you do sometimes have to pick something and just go for it and if it doesn't work out then it doesn't work out you move on to the next thing but i think um I think people get anxiety thinking they want to do everything all at once but just realize that there are no rules here in this lifetime you can just pick something go for it and then change track you know
1: <laughs> Yeah well I'm glad I'm not the only one that suffers from that shiny object syndrome sometimes I think like I'm, I think like I'm a bird or a magpie or something and every time something I see shiny I'm attracted to it um yeah we we talked I'm the about <laughs> We talked about having deep thoughts a little bit before, and sometimes this is a pageant question, but I'm not asking it as a pageant question, more as a deep thinker. Um, over 2020, a lot of us had a lot of time to ourselves and our thoughts. For many people, too much time. Um, have you given any thought to if there were one or two really big problems in the world that you, as you see it? Have you given any thought to maybe what some of the biggest problems you'd like to see change in the world are? I mean, mental health is very core to you, and maybe it's that but is there any sort of fundamental thing that you'd like to get out and change if you could
0: yeah definitely so um suicide prevention that's um something i'm very passionate about um and something that is very close to my heart and we saw in covid unfortunately the suicide rate rose drastically <clears throat> um so that is something i definitely want to be talking about in the future and that is something that i'm still trying to gauge you know how much of this topic, can I introduce my audience while still keeping mm. my signature positive tone? Um, yeah. But that is definitely something that is very close to my heart, and I'd love to see more conversations being had on that topic. The other one is something that has been circulating on social media for a while now, and that is, you know, sexual harassment and the way that women are treated. Women feeling unsafe to walk home at night, women, um, you know, being harassed and Um, Mm. victims being ignored things like that I feel like that is a huge topic that needs a lot of our attention at the moment because I know a lot of my male peers haven't even realized what it's like to be living as a woman in this day and age Mm. you know even things like walking to your car and feeling unsafe they um are generally speaking of course a lot of them wouldn't have experienced that sort of fear, mm. so I feel like it's great that we're opening up um so many eyes to this issue, and I'd love to see that continue
1: yeah I, I was at a large seminar, probably four or five thousand people, and the speaker asked that exact question asked the guys first off how many of them in the last twenty four hours had felt unsafe, and you'd see maybe out of five thousand one percent of the hands go up if not that mm. and then same question but address at the women and it's literally a hundred percent every single one of them at some point wow in the last 24 hours had felt unsafe just even if it's walking to walk the car walking home and this is something it, I think it's very difficult for men to understand even me having worked with women so much this idea that you have to for example change the way you walk from the train station home every day in case someone is stalking you and learns your patterns and then some can, somehow can get the jump on you. And that even if you do that, if they want to, you know, if they want to because they're physically stronger, they could do it. I think it's something that's very difficult for men to understand because it's simply yeah. not, part, it's not part of our equation. We don't have to think about it.
0: Yeah, 100%. And um, the work that I'm doing at the moment with young girls, young women, I'd love to see, um, I guess, young boys and young men mm. um, having conversations around this in schools and um, in workshops because I feel like, you know, simply opening up their eyes up to this issue can have huge positive implications for the future. You know, I think I saw some someone suggested on social media that, um, you know, men at night time walk a fair distance away from the girl just to make them feel a bit more safe and I think... Um, for some men, they felt attacked by that, saying, you know, they felt as if they were being painted as a perpetrator. But that is yeah. not the issue. It's simply yeah. about making women feel safer. And unfortunately, in this world that we live in, this is the best that we could do at the moment, you know, educating and taking these steps, no matter how small, to make us feel a little bit more safe. Even if it does mean keeping a bit of a physical distance.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can understand your 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 friends or your social this person on social media's point. It's like the the num- the percentage of men who do horrible things like that is small. Um, but it has a gigantic consequence, obviously. Uh and there's a lot of conversation, which I think is very interesting and very important. The conversation seems to center around women having done something wrong. Whereas the conversation needs to shift more to the men who are doing it. And I'm not sure that there's an easy way to do that. But it must be very frustrating from the women always hearing, well, you should have done this. You shouldn't have worn that. You should have gone there. You should have phoned this. You should have phoned that. And at some point, it's like, well, why is it my fault? Like, why should I have to do any of that?
0: <laughs> That's it. And it's all about finding language that is not alienating to certain groups of people um, and mm. is inclusive. We're not saying that all men are bad or all women are bad. You know, there are, mm. um, I'd say most men and women are good. There are just, most people are good. There's just the select few, the perpetrators that unfortunately um, make us feel that fear and that general feeling of being unsafe. So, I guess until we can create a system that makes everyone feel safe, um, no matter what the gender, um, these are just the steps that we have to take and the conversations that we have to have. And it all starts with a simple conversation and simply being open to talking about this topic because... I guess the fact that it is surprising to so many people and so many yeah. men that women go through this, I guess that's the issue. Um, it's the mm. surprise. <laughs> so I feel like it all starts with a conversation and just getting things out and into the open. You're back. Sorry, you just cut out for a bit.
1: Okay. Can you hear me?
0: Yes, I can.
1: Okay. All right. Let me just. Sorry. My computer decided to have a heart attack before we move okay. to the close. I feel like I could talk to you on these topics for a long time. But I
0: know. I'm actually very chatty. Close, Sorry about
1: that. Well, no, you got a lot of other things to do as well. Um, <laughs> but two random questions that I remember that I wanted to ask one, what is your favorite food? And two, how is a Britney Spears perfume?
0: <laughs> um, so I think my favorite food is Japanese food or pasta. Um, Italian food, specifically pasta, and I'm wearing it right now. Perfume, it's really nice, and you know what? It brings me back to my high school days in Perth. Um, so it's a bit of a nostalgic sort of feel for me, but I really like it. Britney Spears, intense. <laughs> it's really nice.
1: Okay. <laughs> um, third, third random question then, and this is very unfair, so you don't have to answer it. Perth or Melbourne?
0: I don't want to (laughs) offend my friends and family in Perth. Look, it depends what you're looking for. Perth was the most incredible place to grow up. I would not trade it for the world. I would not have wanted to grow up up in Melbourne, as I'm sure all the Melbourne kids had an amazing childhood, but I'm so, so thankful to have grown up in Perth with its beautiful beaches and beautiful weather, and it was just the best, best experience of my life. Um, And Perth is an incredible place to raise a family, but... I definitely don't regret coming to Melbourne. I love the culture, the people, the opportunities, the food, I guess, um, the creative industries that we have here. Um, so I'd say, Melvin, at this stage in my life. Ooh, um,
1: you actually made a call. But... I'm surprised by that.
0: <laughs> I know. I feel this is the most political question we've had.
1: Oh, I try to stay away from the political questions, um, but yeah, but it's, the answer basically is Perth if you want to have sort of relax and have a good time, but Melbourne if you actually yeah, want to have a job and make some money. Basically, lucky it seems for me, to I don't have to, <laughs> I have to choose.
0: I don't have to choose because my family is still in Perth. So I go there twice a year pre pre COVID, but yeah. I'm very um, I'm so thankful that I still have family and friends there, so I always have an excuse to visit.
1: Are you a coffee person?
0: I'm definitely a coffee person. I used to be a tea person, but I think Melbourne has brought it out in me.
1: But where in Melbourne has the best coffee?
0: Oh, that's a tough call. I used to live um, around Ascot Vale and um, we had some really nice places on Union Road. Um, This is a bit of a political debate with my friends and i so i'm not gonna <laughs>
1: okay. specify
0: any places but um i feel like anywhere into grave street you know um, um there's so many good places how do you choose what's your favorite mm. coffee place when you come to melbourne
1: oh i don't know the reason i ask is because melbourne is the one place where i actually feel safe ordering coffee like literally <laughs> one of the only cities in the world because i have my coffee black and a lot of other baristas they, they base their idea of how good they are based on the pretty coffee art. But when you mm. just have black coffee and they don't know how to make a black coffee, like, like talk there's about America or even the UK, there's no, there's no point me even thinking I'm going to get a good coffee. I know I'm going to get some sort of ditch water that, you know, I have to pay a lot of oh. money for, but Melbourne, Melbourne, it's actually hard to get a bad coffee. So I was just curious. You know what?
0: Australia in general, um, where am I go in the world, nothing comes Mm. close to australian coffee they don't even know what a flat white is in other countries come on
1: no they don't know what a long black is which is normally what i had i it took me like about a year to find out that they called a cafe americano
0: which oh my I, found, I
1: found slightly insulting that I need to call my call my coffee an American coffee, but whatever. Okay, I'll stop asking the random questions just before we go to the final 10, because I always wrap up the interview with the same 10 questions. Is there anyone that you'd like to give a shout-out to for supporting you along your journey, pageant and otherwise? Oh,
0: um, actually, um, yeah, I have my well friend and someone who has coached me his name is jay and he's from um sydney and he's been a great support for me he's helped me in terms of practicing questions and um he was one of the first people to believe in me along this pageant journey so um thank you Jay. you've been amazing and i I literally would not be here without you well
1: that was simple the shout out is a shout out Okay, cool. Well, but that,
0: uh, <laughs> that's, I mean, it's all, all of my family yeah. and friends. And <laughs> so now I'm going to go off on this long speech. <laughs> I feel Here like I'm getting emotional. What have you done to me? All of my family and friends, but also my housemates, um, I think during Miss Universe last year was really difficult. And a big part of the program was the content creation. And having my housemates, Grace and Anthony, um, help me with the brunt of my content creation was just a game changer. I couldn't have done it without them. So it's just all of the people in my life who mm. have said a kind word or um, done a small action of kindness or just send me flowers or showed me any kind of support, just anyone um, that was there for me during last year, I'm very thankful for.
1: Okay. So we've got a bit of a longer shout out there. I thought for a second <laughs> I've never ha- asked anyone to shout out and they literally gave one.
0: No,
1: You gave the Academy <laughs> award-winning speech. Okay. Sorry. Before we play before we play you off the stage with the music, let's go through these final 10. It's not a speed round. You can answer as quickly okay. or as slowly as you want. Okay. So here okay. we go. Random question number one, what is your favorite word?
0: Ooh. <sighs> I don't have one.
1: <laughs> you look like you, you are thinking about one. it, then you...
0: Uh, kindness. Well, what's a word
1: you like? Kindness. Kindness. Okay.
0: We'll go with that.
1: <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll give you a heads up. These questions mostly come in pairs. So number okay. one was, what is your most favorite word? Question two is, what is your least favorite word?
0: Oh, really putting me in the spot. Um ah i have no idea hostility
1: i can give you the most common answer the most common answer to that one is moist people hate the word moist
0: and i don't mind it it's just a word um if anything it sounds pretty it's fun to say Uh, (laughs) I, I guess I'm thinking more, I'm thinking deeper, I'm thinking more in terms of the meanings of the words, but I don't think there's such a thing as an ugly word, um, but I'll probably stand corrected later. <laughs> I-
1: well, if you if you think of a word that you just can't stand, then do, do let me know. Question three, okay. in life, what gets you excited or what turns you on?
0: I guess waking up in the morning and knowing that i'm doing something that i'm passionate about and also um the ability to connect with my friends and family um that's um my favorite thing to do is just hang out with them and spend time with them um and the fact that i get to live in my favorite city as well is just what's not to love
1: really really putting perth you know throwing perth under the bus there that's (laughs) good for you
0: (laughs) i love you first.
1: <laughs> okay all right so question three was what turns you on question four was what turns you off
0: ah uh, people i guess people touching me without my permission when i'm at the gym whether it's the instructor or just you know i'm um, correcting my posture i don't i like my personal space so i don't like that <laughs>
1: that's one thing hopefully covid was good for is people weren't touching you hopefully yes the social
0: distancing yeah silver linings Yeah.
1: yeah question five what sound or noise do you love
0: um i'd say the coffee machine um grinding the beans
1: that is the same answer I gave when I was interviewed. So that you, you're in good company. We have it? good taste. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Question six, what sound or noise do you hate?
0: Uh, cardboard dragging on gravel, like a cardboard box. I hate cardboard dragging on any surface. I just hate it. It's like nails on a chalkboard for me.
1: You mean like when you're moving house and there's a cardboard box and you sort of got to drag it along? Okay. Mm, mm, you're, not, you're, you're literally having a reaction there. I, I never yeah. heard that answer before. People say styrofoam <laughs> or the nails on the chalkboard or the forks. This and is the a trigger for China, me. But... <laughs> I have to give people a trigger warning. Cardboard on ground. Yeah. Okay. I actually no. have to think about what that would sound like. I might have to go outside and do it after <laughs> our interviews. <is laughs> I'd done. be like,
0: Adrian, what are you doing? Why are you dragging that box to the ground?
1: Well, it's just I've never really thought about it before. I mean, I don't (laughs) normally drag cardboard along on a gravel road, but, you know, I'll give it a go. Uh, Question seven, if you could have any one superpower, what would you pick and why?
0: Uh, That is a good question. Teleportation. I'd love to. I hate commuting places, so I'd love to teleport. Simple as that. It will be so time efficient. It'll give me. Mm. It'll free up so much of my day. So teleportation.
1: Actually, now that you mention it, that's the one thing I really can't stand about traffic. uh, About Melbourne, is a traffic.
0: Yeah.
1: Your your traffic traffic in Melbourne.
0: Perth beats Melbourne in that regard. Yes.
1: (laughs) even Sydney does. I thought Sydney traffic would be the worst, but Melbourne traffic, when it decides to get stuck, you don't move. Literally, you don't move. You're just sitting there like it's a, a car park. Well, I when I was down in Melbourne last we drove to the um the Great Ocean Road on the way back we got stuck in traffic and we were stuck for 3 hours. That's never happened to me in Sydney before. Oh no. And that's that's not an experience I'm keen to repeat either. Uh yeah. Okay. No. So, question 8, what job or occupation other than your own would you most like to attempt?
0: Oh, I <laughs> as we were saying before there's so many things that we would have liked to do but i feel like i've given so many things around hot crack you know i've um worked in disability support work i've done acting i've worked as a professional actress i've done modeling i've done pageantry i'm working in mental health the one thing i could say um about me is that i've been lucky enough to and brave enough to try all these things um so i'm very happy to report and say that I've done all these things, all the things that I wanted to and being curious about. Yeah. But the one thing I guess is becoming a published author and that's still on my bucket list, soon to come. Oh, that's very hopefully.
1: easy. <laughs> I, I can I can tell you how to do that. I've done that three times and I'm working on my fourth and my fifth. That, that's oh, yeah. easy. All that's the other right. stuff is yeah, a lot beautiful. harder to do. So believe okay. me, the, uh, the other stuff, published author is easy. Um, what, is <laughs> there a Russian for um, red hot crack? I wouldn't know. <laughs> uh, I, I,
0: I don't think we have such a saying. Um, I'll probably think of it later. Or I could ask my grandma and I'll get back to you.
1: <laughs> it's okay. It's, She'll it's know a, for a, an sure. She knows that's... all
0: the sayings. She knows all of them. Russians are full of them.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Uh, question nine. What job would you definitely not like to attempt?
0: Mm. Oh, putting me in a spot because I don't want to, um, you know, come across as offensive as well. But you know what? And not because I don't respect the profession. Because I do a lot, probably something like nursing, because or mm-hmm. being a paramedic. It takes a special, a very special kind of human to be able to do that high-pressure job. And I have so much respect for um, people in that career field. I just don't think I would be able to handle that. Um, So that's why I look at these people um, from afar and I think of them as heroes because I I can't see myself um, working in such a high-pressure environment.
1: I'm sure you'd find your way around it in some way or (laughs) another. Okay, final question. If heaven exists... What would you like to oh. hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates?
0: Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I guess. It's okay. Uh, you can take welcome your time. All, all, uh, all your family and friends and everyone you've ever loved is here or will join you at some point in the future because I just wouldn't want to spend um, eternity without the people that I'm closest to, you know?
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, well, Daria, congratulations. You survived an hour with myself. Thank you so much for your time.
0: <laughs> Thank you. You really got me in that last one.
1: Oh, I've only asked that question about 150 times now. It's probably It out of the final 10, that's the one that's the most thought-provoking, I think, and it's the one where yeah. pe- people's personality ca- tends to shine through. Like you gave a more deep and meaningful response. Other people just like, it's time to party sort of thing. Oh, uh, so.
0: oh my gosh. Yeah, it's really it's... interesting. And I feel like these kind of questions, um, while they seem, um, I don't know, quite random they, and sporadic, they do show people's personalities a lot. And I guess I mm. did get a bit deep and serious there, but... <laughs> Um, that's me
1: yeah it's all good as I said it allows your personality to shine through well Daria best of luck winner when are, when are the state finals it's this weekend am I right
0: it's Sunday so yes this Sunday April 18th at the Sofitel on Collins and anyone is welcome to join um, so wish you could join us but you're in Sydney um, that would have been very fun but i'm really looking forward to that because the last state final last year was one of the most fun events of the year for me and um a lot of Mm. my family and friends are going to be there and it's going to be such an incredible time um whatever the outcome to celebrate with them
1: absolutely well i would say best of luck but i don't think you're going to need it i'll (laughs) say it anyway uh Thanks, thank thank you, you so much for your time. I'll keep you on the line for just a second whilst I hang up with the audience. But thanks everyone for watching, whether it's live or on the replay. And thanks, we will guys. speak to you next time. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching. Hope you enjoyed. Remember, Confessions is out. To get your copy from Amazon, head to shore.b forward slash confessions book. And I'll see you next time.